Ah, for just one time, I would take the Northwest Passage to find the hand of Franklin reaching for the Beaufort Sea. Tracing one warm line through a land so wide and savage and make a northwest passage to the sea. Number 6,391, Northwest Passage. Radio you can sing along to. And that one's going out to Jim Stewart. Not the movie star, though. He'd be welcome to it if he were still around. No, not the movie star Jimmy Stewart, but uh, my cousin Jimmy Stewart. Big Stan Rogers fan. Turned me on to his stuff years ago. So if you're listening tonight, Jim, if you're out there, courage. Stan Rogers from his 1981 album, Northwest Passage. Puts me in mind of the first play I ever wrote for Pacific Theater, Fish Tales, in 1985. Set entirely on a Cape Breton fishing boat, which sat right there on the stage. Kind of cool. Three characters, Alan Denoye, Byron Lindsay, and me, talking funny Cape Breton-ish kind of way and telling salty tales and singing songs and nothing really happening at all until the last three minutes or so. Yeah, I, I didn't really know how to write plays yet. We just needed a script for three actors and something that had something vaguely to do with what Pacific Theater was about, and we just couldn't find one, so I wrote one. Morris, who had signed on to direct our first production, said, You're a wordsmith. You write something. So it's all Morris Ertman's fault. Morris lived in Edmonton in those days, so we headed out there for the initial run at the Walterdale Playhouse before bringing it back here to play at Presentation House in North Vancouver. You know how in the old days they'd run a show in Boston or Philadelphia to work out the kinks before they took it to Broadway? Hence the saying, we bombed in Boston. Well, except they stopped saying that a few years ago when somebody actually did it. Liz Nichols of the Edmonton Journal. A lulling, monochromatic piece that unravels rather than develops. Songs are occasionally sung, stories are told, dances are danced from time to time, everyone gets gently sad, and the myth, rife among landlubbers like me, that fishing is hard, sweaty, non-stop labor is exploded. Fishtails seems longer than it is. Yeah, my first review. No worries. I got to play the accordion, which had not been a life goal, but I counted among my finest achievements. We learned to step dance at a maritime kitchen party in East Vancouver, and the three of us belted out the best Stan Rogers tune ever. 
So here I lay in my 23rd year. How I wish I was in Sherbrooke now. It's been six years since we sailed away, and I just made Halifax yesterday. God damn them all. I was told we'd cruise the seas for American gold. We'd fire no guns, shed no tears. Now I'm a broken man on a Halifax pier. The last of Barrett's Varieties. Pacific Theater's first play. And already we were swearing like sailors. Well, like fishermen, to be more precise. Seems our course was set right from the beginning. By the way, that wasn't Byron Allen and me that you heard singing there. That was Stan the Man, Mr. Rogers himself, from his 1976 recording, Between the Breaks, live. meant to have gone over to the Tucker's place on Saturday night, bearing gifts, a salad, green or Caesar. Diane was a longtime artist advisor, then board member for Pacific Theater. I mean, what kind of company is this? We have poets for board members. Her husband, Jim, is an English Premier League football fan, supporter of Tottenham Hotspur, I believe. Gotta love those team names. And since that's my latest not-so-magnificent obsession, I was eager to talk footy and literature and whatever else was on offer, conversationally speaking. They uh, had come over to our place a couple years back to tell us about Ireland, where we were headed for a vacation, so that must have been 2018, a long time ago. But only a few dinner guests ago at the Reed House, I'm afraid. We don't entertain that often, especially now. But even when it was more socially and medically acceptable to have people over, it didn't happen much at our house. See, my work's nothing but people. My day job, that is, working for Pacific Theater. And since the question of whether I'm an introvert or extrovert depends entirely on what I've been having too much of lately, I've been mostly an introvert for the past uh, 36 years or so. I mean, I like people and everything, can't live without them, am I right? I really do love them. I'm fascinated by people. Why else would I make plays? Still, too much of a good thing, too many meetings, days full of toing and froing, deadlines and plays I have to see, and a date book crammed with appointments I have to keep. You don't know what you got till it's gone. You don't know what you got till it's gone. So, the Tuckers and Saturday night. We had planned to get together a couple months back, or, or was it last fall? But something came up. We all lead busy lives. We all led busy lives. And we put it off, and, well, eventually we managed to squeeze it in. I, I was so eager. Now we could really talk about Ireland, and Jim's a Premier League fan, and I've become one, and Diane's always reading lots of books and writing stuff, and... And then an email a week ago, 
from Diane. Jim and I are wondering if you folks are still okay at this point coming to dinner here on the 21st. And it was obvious what wasn't going to happen on Saturday night. So instead, I spent Saturday making a podcast. No complaints. I love making things. And this podcast, it's been life to me, really. Half a dozen life obsessions all glommed into one critical mass. I'm, I'm hardly sleeping. But still, it would have been swell to spend time again with the Tuckers. So instead, I read through all of Diane's O antiphons, 40 short poems for winter that she sent me some time ago. I had read a few of them when she sent them over, and I adored them. But you know, there's so much to do, places to go, people to see. So I managed to read, well, only a few. How messed up is that? Each of these poems is, what, seven lines long? A mere eight pages of little poetic delicacies. And I didn't have time to read more than a handful? Lord, deliver me from this frenzy. Well, I guess he has. O oh, father of the dark, abortive day, when rain drowns all and plans go down the drain, when storms knock us about, when baking burns and duties force us far from home and hearth, when tired minds cannot redeem the hours and all the hours we have slide by too fast. For our flat hearts be God of all tomorrows,
O Jesus Christ, down in the winter solstice, the dark pit of the year, the lowest low, be with us in our waiting and lamenting. Assure us that our cold hearts are not dead, but dormant now, only to wake anew. Help our emptiness believe your filling, crushed by this world, embrace our sighing souls. Lord, holder of these days, God of waiting, King of the not yet, help our forty fasting days prove fruitful. You are the life, the raiser up from death, the steadfast light we see in every distance. Lift our heads, heavy with condemnation, bear our barren darkness to new day. Three of Diane Tucker's poems there, the O Antiphons. She read us, O Jesus Christ, down in the winter solstice, O Father of the dark aborted day, and O Lenten Lord, holder of these days. Written in the spirit of some very old prayers, they're in a sort of sonnetish seven-line form she came up with herself. She's got 40 of them now, one for each day of Lent or Advent, and 
She'll be putting them out in a little chapbook one of these days. I'll let you know when you get yourself a copy. I set them to a recording of the Imant Raminch Ave Verum Corpus, sung by Vancouver's Musica Intima. You can find that on YouTube. Send them a donation. I'm sure they can use it. We all can these days. I chose it because my friend Kira Fonzie joined that esteemed choral squad just as soon as she finished her Pacific Theatre apprenticeship last year. And though she doesn't sing on that particular recording, it's, uh, it's as close as I could get. See, Kira was supposed to be a soloist at Christchurch Cathedral this morning. First, she was going to sing at their live service. Then it was changed to a live streaming service. Get it? Streaming service. And I so wanted to hear that. And then there was no service at all to sing at, streaming or otherwise. I guess there's reasons for that. Damn. So hopefully I can be excused for purveying a little unauthorized musica intima on short notice. Usually when I play you a full tune, it's from somebody who's given me the rights to use their music in the podcast, Spencer Capier or Nelson Boschman so far, and other musical friends that you're going to be meeting in future episodes. Stan Rogers or the Ronettes, uh, Janet Jackson, they haven't gotten back to me on that yet, so I only play you a snippet, the merest musical sousson, in order to somewhat placate the musical authorities. So I hate to admit, but in the spirit of full disclosure, I shall admit that I did not get permission yet for that particular piece of musical transcendence you just heard. Even though Kira is a personal friend of mine, I do need to make proper arrangements. Talk to someone at the top, a head honcho, artistic director, curator, isn't that what all the kids are saying these days? An authorized permission giver. And I shall. I promise however retroactively. But these are early days for the Soul Food Podcast, and not our ducks are all yet arranged in decent and orderly rows, and I just couldn't resist, so we cheated a bit there. I figure we'll get away with it for now. As long as I don't play the Beatles, the bots won't find me, and we won't get shut down. Soul Food, the ghost light season. Pirate Radio for your pandemic pleasure. Well, you know what that means. It's time for our regular feature. Time to open the mailbag here on our Soul Food Podcast, Ghostlight Season. Reaching into the old canvas mailbag. Oh, I love that smell. And what have we here? Our first letter from a soul food listener. Let's see what's inside here. <laughs> An auspicious occasion indeed. Dear Soul Food, thoroughly enjoyed the first episode of the Ghost Light Season. Thank you for encouraging us to open the door of the COVID-19 air raid shelter was mentioning your podcast to one of our progeny who sidelines as a member of the Grammar Police. He suggested that it may be more accurate to describe your podcast as 
peri-apocalypse radio, as we are still in the middle of it all. So here's my request for you to spin an apocalyptic tune, possibly Eve of Destruction by Barry McGuire, or the 1969 classic In the Year 2525 by one-hit wonders Zager and Evans. This song was later played by Denny Zager and Rick Evans at Woodstock. Zager now builds custom guitars at Zager Guitars in Lincoln, Nebraska. Apocalyptically yours, Tom from Tawasson. Well, I'm, I'm chuffed, that's what I am, fair chuffed, to have already received our first listener letter. Tom from Tawasson, whoever you are, you have made my peri-apocalyptic day. We'll head on down into the vaults of vinyl and see if we can come up with something to satisfy your soul food musical craving, though only a taste, a little later in the show if we can. To my great regret, the artists in question are not yet personal friends of the pod, neither Zager nor Evans nor McGuire. Sounds like a law firm, Zager, Evans, and McGuire, a super group. Anyhow, we won't be able to serve up a heap and helping, but... Perhaps our chefs can rustle up at least an aperitif. We'll see what we can do. And what do you know? Feeling around in the bottom of this mailbag, there is in fact one more letter here, way down in the bottom. Oh, that's disappointing. I, I, I seem to have gotten somebody else's mail by mistake here. Oh well, what the heck. I'll read it to you anyway. We don't get that much mail. Not since the apocalypse started. Oh, and what do you know? There's a check in here. <laughs> ah, with today's date, March 22nd. Dear Indugu, my name is Warren R. Schmidt, and I am your new foster father. <clears throat> I live in Omaha, Nebraska. My older brother, Harry, lives in Roanoke, Virginia with his wife, Estelle. Harry lost a leg two years ago to diabetes. I am 66 years old and recently retired as assistant vice president and actuary at Woodman of the World Insurance Company. And God... Damn it, if they didn't replace me with some kid who... All right, so maybe he's got a little theory under his belt and can plug a few numbers into a computer, but I could tell right off that he doesn't know a damn thing about genuine real-world risk assessment, or managing a department for that matter, a cocky bastard. close now and get this in the mail. Here I am, rambling on and on, and you probably want to hurry on down and cash that check and get yourself something to eat. So uh, take it easy, and best of luck with all your endeavors. Yours very truly, Warren Schmidt. On this date in 1937, a boy, Pete, 
was born to a German father who went on to become a high-ranking officer in the Nazi V-2 rocket program. Dad was impersonated by George Pappard's character, Lieutenant John Curtis, as part of Operation Crossbow. What year were you married? 1936. Where? Rome. Where'd you meet? Capri. Children's names? Pete, he's six. Erica, she's four. Birth dates? Pete, March 22nd, 1937. Erica. Also on March 22nd, the Zodiac Killer didn't murder Kathleen Johns or her 10-year-old daughter on a highway near Modesto, California in 1970. I uh, didn't mean to scare you, but your uh, right rear wheel is loose. Really? If you like, I could tighten the lugs up for you. Uh, if you don't mind. Well, you can't be too careful. Jenny Gump died in 1982 at the age of 37. I love you. Christopher McCandless left Salton City, California, en route to Alaska in 1990. I'm going to drive you 100 miles to some place where you can catch a train, a plane, or hitch a ride and not get stuck out in this desert. I'd take you all the way to Alaska if I didn't have an 8 o'clock mass. Ron, you don't have to do that. Walter Rossworth was released on parole and his name was added to the Central Pennsylvania Sexual Offender Registry in 2003. Look, the only reason I'm doing this is because I know you did good work for my father. So you be here on time, you do your work. I don't want any kind of problem, period. And in 2007, filming began on the landmark documentary about the life of Cody Maverick the acclaimed surfing penguin. Fight on the set, and we're rolling. Cody Maverick, interview, take one. So why are you guys here to interview me? It's what we do, we're a reality film crew. Should I know some of the questions before we start? Just so no, I don't... just, you know, they're, they're easy. Okay. Can you stand on that box right there, please? Oh, yeah, just stand yeah, up yeah. on that, thanks. <clears throat> uh, it's right there. Thank you. Thank Whoa, you. what's the, what is that? <laughs> what is that? It's a sound thing, it's a microphone. What's up, man? I'm Cody. And you're what, 14, 15 years uh, old? 17 years of age. And uh, any other skills besides surfing? Like, like what? Like singing and dancing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, not me, man. I just surf. Loser. I just. In the year twenty-five, twenty-five, if man is still alive, if woman can survive, they may find. Well, that's it for episode two, a late night edition of Soul Food, the Ghost Light Season. I'm still figuring out how much fits into one episode, so I got plenty of leftovers to serve up later in the week. Don't forget to be in touch. We'll be checking that old mailbag every few seconds or so. Just address those envelopes to soulfood at ronreed.org. And don't forget the stamp. Tell us how you're doing or any ideas you have for the show. And, you know, feel free to show off a bit if you think you recognize any of the movies in those date movie montages. I'll meet you back here in a couple of days. We got something special planned with my old friend Lucia. Luch to her close friends. Well, once you call her Luch, you'll be a former friend, but whatever. And until next time, remember, all you survivors out there, 
stay cool, keep up hope, and I know one day we're all going to find each other. In the year 7510, if God's are coming, he ought to make it by then. Maybe he'll look around himself and say, guess it's time for the judgment day. In the year 8510, God is going to shake his mighty head. He'll either say, I'm pleased where man has been, or tear it down.